Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is part five of a nine-part series. This is the evening service of Sunday the 5th of July 2015, entitled Advice on Biblical Holiness. And the Bible reading is taken from 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 1 to 8. Here's Brother Gareth Green. We're reading in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verses 1 to 8. Uh, thank you again for all of your prayers as I have been, I've been preparing. Um, yeah, I just pray now that we would uh, yeah, read God's word and be fed by it. And uh, I think it should be around 25 minutes long. So yeah, to give you a, a rough uh, ballpark figure of where I'll be going, Lord willing. So yeah, let's, um, uh, yeah just before we pray, um, our previous sermon was titled The Christian's Heart. And we looked at the three actions of Paul, uh, Paul's concern, which led him to action, uh, Paul's rejoicing, and Paul's prayer. The title of tonight's sermon is Advice on Biblical Holiness, Part 1. And the aim of tonight's sermon is that by listening to this, we would each be urged to live a life of greater holiness. This evening, we're going to be looking at two pieces of Paul's advice. Advice to obey and advice uh, to abstain from fornication. I was originally planning uh, on doing uh, verses 1 to 12 uh, and preaching four pieces of Paul's advice, uh, but it was getting too long, so uh, the next two parts of Paul's advice will go uh, into part two. So, um, the first piece of advice in verses 1 and 2, sorry, um, yeah, let's take some time to pray now. Um, Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Uh, we thank you for the opportunity to uh, to read it and to um, uh, just to be changed by it, Lord, and to uh, examine ourselves through it. And uh, Lord, now as we uh, meditate on this uh, uh, this topic of holiness, uh, as revealed in your word in these first eight verses of First um, Thessalonians chapter four, and uh, we pray, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts. Um, there's none holier than you. And so, uh, yeah, all of our holiness is uh, because of you. And we pray, Lord, that you just grow us in holiness and grow us in our understanding of your holiness as well, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. So uh, the first piece of advice uh, in verse 1 and 2 is a general exhortation uh, to the Thessalonians to obey the commands of God. In the last three pieces of advice, we see Paul expounding on the first general exhortation. So again, the, first, the two pieces of advice that we're going to be looking at this evening are, is advice to obey and advice to abstain from fornication. So let's read God's word together. I invite you to stand to honor the reading of God's word. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 1 to 8. Furthermore then, we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus Christ, sorry, by the Lord Jesus, that as ye have received of us how ye ought to walk and to please God, so ye would abound more and more. For ye know what command, commandments we gave you by the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that ye should abstain from fornication, that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honour not in the lust of concupiscence, even as the Gentiles, which know not God. 
that no man go beyond and defraud his brother in any matter, because that the Lord is the avenger of all such, as we also have forewarned you and testified. For God hath not called us unto uncleanness, but unto holiness. He therefore that despiseth, despiseth not man, but God, which hath also given unto us his Holy Spirit. Amen. So we're going to be talking a lot uh, about holiness tonight. So to get our minds focused and on the same page, we will need a definition of holiness. Um, the Oxford Dictionary uh, defines holiness as the state of being holy. Now, as my dad would say, that is about as helpful as a chocolate teapot. <laughs> um, so what is the Bible's definition of holiness? Psalm 86 verse 8 says, Among the gods there is none like unto thee, O Lord, neither are there any works like unto thy works. So what we see here is holiness in its highest sense belongs to God. So maybe it would be helpful to look at God in order to understand the definition. So who is more like God, a worm or an angel? Um, I didn't come up with this uh, illustration, but I think it's very good. The answer is neither. He is not like anything. God is holy. God is holy because he is completely unlike anything else. He is set apart, and therefore it is useless to compare him with anything else. Exodus 15.11 says, Who is like unto thee, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like thee, glorious in holiness, fearful in praises, doing wonders? The term holy, sanctify, consecrate, dedicate, and saint are translated from the same Hebrew and Greek words in the Bible. And the basic meaning of these is to be set apart for God's purposes. Commenting on holiness, J.C. Ryle writes, Holiness is the habit of, of being of one mind with God. Holiness is the habit of being of one mind with God, according as we find his mind described in the scriptures. It is the habit of agreeing in God's judgment, hating what he hates, loving what he loves, and measuring everything in this world by the standard of his word. So, now that we know what the, the biblical definition of holiness is, let's see what God has to say to each of us today about being more holy. Let's reread verse 1 and 2. Furthermore then, we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus, that as ye have received of us how ye ought to walk and to please God, so ye would abound more and more. For ye know what commandments we gave you by the Lord Jesus. So the first piece of advice, uh, first piece of Paul's advice we're going to be looking at is advice to obey. Right at the start, Paul uses two interesting words, besiege and exhort. Now, the first thing you might think of when you hear the word besiege is to attack a city. 
You would besiege a city by surrounding it with your army or overwhelming it and capturing it. To besiege a person, I might grab them by the shoulders and shake them. So, um, yeah, to besiege someone, I would be getting their attention. I would be making sure that they were listening to me. Um, the word exhort means to strongly encourage or urge someone to do something. So when Paul puts these two words together, we see that in the name of Jesus, Paul is taking on the character of a passionate and energetic coach. In this passionate manner, Paul says, continue more and more in the commandments that, you've, that we have already given to you. Keep growing. Just like in chapter 3 and verse 12, verse 1 ends with a command to the Thessalonians to continue to grow. Paul told the Thessalonians to continue to grow and continue to walk the Christian walk. Paul didn't want these Christians uh, to, be, to be stagnant or content with how their spiritual life was. He wanted them to thirst for a closer relationship with God. And this principle also applies to all believers. God wants us to grow and not remain stagnant and content with our current spiritual health. Sometimes we can be tempted to be stagnant because of those around us. When we compare ourselves with other Christians, we might say, yeah, I'm doing well. I'm about average to everyone else in my church. And this is an easy way to become stagnant. We need to instead compare ourselves with Jesus. We need to seek to be like him. And this is a sure way to realize that we need to get our spiritual muscles into the gym. Abound more and more, as Paul says, grow. In verse 2, Paul reminds the Thessalonians that this is not primarily his message. He is saying, we are passing on the message. It's a bit like forwarding an email from your boss to a colleague um, or telling your friend that their parents want them in by 7 o'clock at night. So, as Paul did to these Thessalonians, so I hope I can do the same to you. As we go through these instructions, remember that this is God's message, it's not my message. Many of you are more experienced and more mature than myself, uh, and I don't want to be pointing the finger at any of you, um, as I haven't got it all figured out yet either. This is what God says, I'm just forwarding you the email. In the first two verses, Paul is saying, remember, remember what I told you. Remember the commands of Jesus Christ. Remember the instructions we gave you on how to live a holy life. So what instructions did Paul tell them? What have they been commanded specifically? Well, Paul covers this in the following verses. And as I said before, um, this goes all the way down to verse 12, but we're only going to go into down to verse 8 for part 1. Uh, so this piece of advice from Paul is abstain from fornication. After his general advice in verses 1 and 2, Paul goes on to talk about sexual purity in verses 3 to 8. The second piece of advice 
Paul gives the Thessalonians, is to abstain from fornication. Let's reread verses 3 to 8. For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that you should abstain from fornication, that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honour, not in the lust of concupiscence, even as the Gentiles which know not God, that no man go beyond and afford his brother in any matter, because that the Lord is the avenger of all such, as we also have forewarned you and testified. For God hath not called us unto uncleanness, but unto holiness. He therefore that despiseth, despiseth not man, but God, who hath also given unto us his Holy Spirit. Verse 3 has two big words in it that are important for the overall message of this passage. The words sanctification and fornication. With regards to the Christian, the term sanctification means to be set apart to God from sin. To be sanctified is to be set apart from sin to God. Like our word holy uh, that we defined at the start of this message. So Christians need to be set apart as different from others in the world. Uh, the Greek word translated fornication here is pornia, uh, from which we get the English word uh, pornographic. Fornication is sexual intercourse between people who are not married to each other. Sexual intercourse with someone other than one's wife or husband. Paul reminds the Thessalonians in verse 3 that the will of God is for them to be set apart to God from sin and that they do not have any sexual intercourse with someone that they are not married to. Is the will of God the same for us as it was for the Thessalonians? Yes. God's will is that we are sanctified and do not fornicate. Sanctification and abstinence from fornication are synonymous. You cannot be sanctified if you are participating in fornication. You cannot be set apart to be used by God if you are having sex outside of marriage. God's will is that you are sanctified. God's will is that you do not participate in fornication. Are you doing the will of God? Jesus said that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. It is not good enough to simply abstain from fornication with our actions. We need to abstain from fornication in our hearts also. In verse 4, Paul teaches the Thessalonians that they should, not, that they should know how to possess their vessels in sanctification and honour that they should know how to possess. The word vessel, meaning body, uh, the vessel means body. So what did Paul mean when he told the Thessalonians to possess their body in sanctification and honour? Well, based on the context of verse 3, Paul wants the Thessalonians to possess their body in sanctification and honour and to set it apart from the practices of the world 
to abstain from sex outside of marriage. There are some who interpret vessel as spouse, uh, and if that were true, then that would mean that Paul was teaching the Thessalonians to continue to have proper sexual relations with their spouse to prevent adultery. And this is a completely reasonable interpretation. Uh, but I favor the interpretation body, as I don't see anywhere in the text that suggests that Paul is specifically talking uh, only to married people. Fortunately, the two possible interpretations give us the same principle that we can apply to our lives. Set your body apart for serving the Lord. Verse 4 basically says, do this with your body. And verse 5 basically says, do not do this with your body. In verse 5, we find another big word, concupiscence. Now, what does that mean? Concupiscence means unlawful desire, or a lust or a longing for that which is forbidden. So the lust of concupiscence is a desire for that which is forbidden. From this verse, we can assume that the Gentiles were doing this sin and tempting the Thessalonians to do the same. Now, could this be said of us? Um, are the non-believers around us tempting us to act upon forbidden desires? Um, in our context today, these forbidden desires could take a variety of forms, such as pornography, masturbation, explicit romantic novels, flirting with attractive colleagues, staring at a provocative advert or an attractive person on the street. These are all forbidden lusts that the world wants to tempt us with, to pull us further away from God. And Paul here, like a passionate, concerned coach, grabs their shirts and warns them, don't do this, don't give in. Remember the commandments of Jesus. Here, Paul is saying that, an, that to act upon the desires that are forbidden is the opposite of being set apart to be used by God. He says this is exactly what the Gentiles do, and the reason they do it is because they don't know God. The reason that these people sin like this is because they don't know God. So those that know God have no excuse to participate. Christians don't do these things. Are you behaving like a Christian? If not, then are you a Christian? Let's move into verse 6. We are, still, uh, we are still in Paul's second piece of advice, which is to abstain from fornication. But let's read verse 6 again. that no man go beyond and afford his brother in any matter, because that the Lord is the avenger of all such, as we also have forewarned you and testified. Uh, because of its context, the terms go beyond and afford his brother seem to mean sexual conduct with a neighbor's wife. So a person having sex with their friend's spouse. Paul is saying that the consequences for doing this is the vengeance of God. 
So what does Paul's warning to the Thessalonians mean to us today? Well, after reading this, we should be fearfully respectful of the union of marriage. Because if we do not, then the Lord will judge and punish the guilty party. As Paul warns the Thessalonians, we should warn our fellow Christians if they are going to sin. We need to encourage each other to be holy by warning brothers and sisters of the dangers of their sin. Because we love them and because of what God has called us to be as Christians. The specific warning here in verse 6 is to respect the bond of marriage by not tempting someone to break their marriage vows, by tempting or offending them or offering them sexual contact. Now, we've mentioned, uh, we've mentioned marriage a few times in this sermon. So just to set the record straight, real marriage, as defined in the Bible, is one man and one woman for life. Marriage has been around long before Great Britain or the United States of America ever existed. God invented marriage, and no one has the right to change its definition. The definition of marriage, therefore, has not changed. It doesn't matter what they say, it's impossible for two men or two women to get married. Let's continue into verse 7 and 8. Verse 7 and 8 are given as further arguments to motivate the Thessalonians to be sanctified and to be set apart to God from sin. In verse 7, we see Paul telling the Thessalonian Christians uh, that they are all called to be holy, not uncleanness, not to be unclean. Again, as we saw in the, verse, the first verse, this call is from God and not from men. Paul is saying, obey these commands because they are commands from God himself. If you are a Christian here tonight, then you have a calling. Uh, God is not giving you just a friendly recommendation here. He's telling you the purpose of your life. This call is what he has created you for. The calling of your life is to glorify God. And one way of doing this is through living a holy Christ-like life. In verse 8, Paul continues to argue for the obedience of the Thessalonians by explaining what a rejection of this message means. In this verse, we can see the word despiseth used twice. Uh, the Greek word for uh, despiseth means to cast off or reject. You could also use the word uh, disesteem or perhaps disrespect. Paul tells the Thessalonians that if you disrespect or reject this message, then you reject God himself. And the same principle applies to us. If we reject these commandments, we do not reject the messenger, we reject God. The last two words in our passage today are the words Holy Spirit. Paul ends this sentence by drawing the attention of the Thessalonians back to the Holy Spirit. Uh, 
Why? Well, because it is only through the Holy Spirit that we have the power to live differently from the world. It is through the Holy Spirit that we are led to live a holy life and are convicted of our disobedience. God has given us his Holy Spirit so that we will not reject him. So this evening we have looked at two pieces of Paul's advice on biblical holiness. Firstly, in verse 1 and 2, uh, advice to obey. And secondly, in verse 3 and 8, abstain from fornication. So advice to obey and abstain from fornication. And the aim of tonight's sermon uh, has been to exhort us to holiness. And now to wrap everything up, I'd like to read some comments on this passage from Matthew Henry. He writes, The Lord calls none into his family to live unholy lives, but that they may be taught and enabled to walk before him in holiness. Some make light of the precepts of holiness because they hear them from men, but they are God's commands, and to break them is to despise God. So I just want to thank you all for listening. And again, I just want to encourage you uh, into living a holy lifestyle to um, what we've read tonight and the whole of this passage. And I want to challenge you to, uh, again, read the book of First Thessalonians um, and also to apply the scripture that we've just looked at to your lives. And let's close in a word of prayer. Um, Heavenly Father, we just thank you for uh, this message that you have preserved in your word. Um, thank you, Lord, for uh, the Thessalonians and all of the, um, the trials and tribulations that they went through and how that we can learn from them and we can see the advice that uh, Paul gave to them in their situation. Lord, help us to apply these same principles to our lives. Help us to be a holy people. Help us, Lord, to um, look to you for our example. Uh, look to you to examine ourselves, um, to examine our lives on how we should live. Lord God, I pray that, um, yeah, as we're only in the first part of the sermon, Lord, that we would um, study through the rest of uh, chapter four. And uh, yeah, we would just learn how to be um, more holy, help us to apply your word to our lives and to, um, to grow in holiness so much so that uh, those that do not uh, believe in you would see our lives and see, uh, see you living through us, Lord. Thank you again for this time that we can be together to worship you. I pray that you just uh, have your will in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.